Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Hey guys, good morning. It's uh, Broad Street Hockey uh, Saturday Morning Scrambles here with uh, Mike D. Uh, if you see me on the site, I go by Deuces31. Uh, really excited to be here this morning and talking to Flyers with you guys. It's a beautiful Saturday outside, but uh, you know we can talk uh, about the Flyers for a little bit uh, since there are some exciting things going on. Uh, JVR is back. Uh, Christian Follin, you know, he signed, but you know, probably not as exciting as JVR. We get that. Um, so you know how the deal is. We're gonna answer some questions here, and uh, you know, you guys sent those in during the week through Twitter and through Facebook. Uh, so thank you for taking the time to do that. It makes things a lot easier, uh, especially during the off season now. And free agency wasn't as uh, wasn't as exciting as we were expecting it to be off the bat. But uh, so thanks again for sending those in, and also thank you for following along with us uh, and following the Flyers. Uh, you know, it's something that we all share in common and something that we all love, but. The support uh, for Broad Street Hockey is great from our Patreon subscribers on BSH Radio to uh, the people in the comments section every day who hanging out with us. So thank you again for following along. And uh, you know, let's go ahead and get right into it here. Uh, first question is going to be from Facebook. So from Brad Stouffer, he says, Why hasn't Hextall fired the PK coach yet? And that would be Ian LaPerriere. So... Um, yeah, that's a good I that's a good question. I really have no idea uh why uh Ian LaPerriere has held his title for so long. Um let's see, they were 29th in penalty killing a year ago. That's that's awful. They were 21st two years ago and 23 years ago. It's not a great track record. Um you know, it, basically since LaPerriere was hired in 2013-14, he's only had one good year uh where they finished 7th in his first year. So his track record has not been very good, and really the Flyers have, you know, really been brought down by the penalty kill uh, in the past few years. It's kind of held them back from being, you know, a much better team considering that uh, the five-on-five play has improved, and then, you know, the power play has always uh, been very good in Philadelphia. So while Hextel hasn't really done a lot to, you know, upgrade the penalty kill in the past few years. Uh, there's been a lot of different personnel in there for the Perrier to work with, and the results have still been very bad. So, uh, you know, I would have looked to make a change by now. I would have thought another year in the low 20s would have been, you know, time for the axe for Le Perrier, but uh, he's stuck around somehow. So I guess taking a puck to the face in uh, the playoffs grants you immunity from, uh, you know, all that you do. Uh, uh, next question is uh, from DressBW14 on Twitter. Uh, what five guys do you think make the best power play unit? Uh, so this is a great question with the uh, signing of JVR coming in. Gives the Flyers a lot of options. Uh, obviously, it's a pretty stacked top six now, which is uh, pretty cool. I can't you know, say we've been able to say that in the past few years. Uh, so the Flyers were 15th overall in power play percentage last year, but it really got brought down by that second power play unit, which just didn't produce a whole lot. It was really Travis Konechny and, uh, 
you know, Nolan Patrick when he wasn't healthy. So not a whole lot of uh, production coming out of that unit. But, you know, really the Flyers' top five, Drew Voracek, Ghost, Simmons, and Couturier was, you know, really was really one of the better units that, you know, the league had to offer last year. So I'm not so sure that they'll change that up. That, of course, hinges on, you know, perhaps making another move. Uh, Wayne Simmons has either been on or been off the trade block, depending on who you read, on who you listen to. Um, so obviously there could be a change there, but, uh, I think the signing of JVR really creates a, you know, almost an embarrassment of riches for the Flyers here on the power play for this year. Uh, you can interchange, uh, JVR and Simmons on the power play to go ahead and, you know, switch up the net front presence. Um, you know, you could also bump Simmons down to power play too, to give them, you know, a much better net front presence than they had a year ago. Um, so that would provide you, you know, hopefully better production than they were able to able to muster. And then you could also do some some more creative things like we saw a few years ago. Uh, you know, he had Scott Hartnell and Wayne Simmons both at, at the net front and, you know, kind of a little double screen action. So you could do that with JVR and Simmons this year if you wanted to do that, of course, if everybody stays. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of options there. I, for one, would like to see Nolan Patrick back on the power play one unit. Uh, that was, you know, pretty good success that they had when he was in there for Wayne Simmons. Um, so I'd like to see that again. And plus, you know, it gives gives Nolan Patrick, uh, you know, some more confidence. And then if you put two net front presences on with power play two, uh, we know that uh, Ivan Provorov can get the puck through. And, you know, that would probably create, you know, a lot of good chances for them. And JVR and Simmons can clean up the garbage around the front of the net. So um, really it just creates a... Like I said, you know, just a, a nice problem to have for, you know, the uh, the Flyers coaching staff to be able to have, a, you know, a great depth of people to pick from to go ahead and throw out there on the uh, on the power play. And, you know, the JVR signing is, is huge for five-on-five five play because he's a great goal scorer at even strength, but uh, he's going to provide more depth and balance for both power play units. Um, but, you know, to really answer the question, sorry kind of rambled there but I, I still think the Flyers best five is going to be Drew, Voracek, Ghost, Simmons and Couturier. Uh, I think Couturier proved that he can produce and you know hang with those top guys and you know be a difference maker on that top power play unit and the Flyers can kick Nolan Patrick and JVR onto the power play too and hopefully get a get a lot more production out of them going forward. Uh, next question we got is from Mid-Major Matt on Twitter. Uh, he says, we've seen packages thrown around for Eric Carlson. What would be a Flyers equivalent? Uh, that is the big fish that is out there. I hope he hasn't actually been traded. I haven't, I haven't really looked this morning, but apparently he got traded like four times the other day. So um, could the Flyers be that mystery team in on Eric Carlson? You know, it's possible. You know, no one's no one's denied it or anything. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Um I think a Carlson deal is really complicated. You know, I don't want to make this a cop out, but you know, he's only got one year left on his deal, um, which is going to complicate things because the return's not going to be as good since he's not as controllable, and he's going to use you know up a lot of cap space here uh, for his next contract. Um, so really, a deal would be anyone's guess, but given the way Ottawa's been with money, you would have to think that it's going to start with young, controllable NHL talent. If you're talking about the Flyers and that, you're probably talking about guys like Travis Sanheim, Travis Konechny, um, you know, 
guys like that. And then you're probably going to have to package, you know, some pretty nice draft picks as well. And maybe a prospect, you know, that's not, uh, one of your forefront guys. Um, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see Ottawa ask for, you know, Travis Sanheim or Morgan Frost, a first round pick. Um, obviously the, the lightning are the team at the forefront of the Carlson sweepstakes. They want to reunite those two pirates from, you know, all-star game weekend. Um, but we will, uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I, for one, would love to see Ron Hextall explore Carlson trade. And that's not to say that he hasn't already done that. Um, you know, the Flyers are in a, in a great spot here with, in terms of, you know, prospects in the pipeline, draft assets coming in the next few years and, you know, a team that's really close to contention. So, um, you know, I'd love to see, you know, Ron Hextall explore it. You know, there is the flip side of the coin as well. You're going to give up a lot of assets for a guy who, you know, we, there's a chance we might have seen his best hockey already. Um, you know, that's always a risk you take, but, you know, Eric Carlson is a, is a top five defender, you know, in the league and those guys do not come available very often. And it is a unique situation where the Flyers would have cap room to go ahead and sign him to an extension. Um, but then also have enough assets to be able to make a deal happen, uh, you know, with Ottawa now. So it, it would be interesting, but if I had to say, I'd, I'd start with Travis Sanheim, you know, a prospect, maybe German Rutstov and probably a first, second round pick would be your, would be your start point for Eric Carlson. And nobody knows how far, far apart, you know, the talks are between Tampa and Ottawa. They seem like they're getting pretty hot and heavy, but, uh, you know, I think Ron Hextall will definitely kick the tires on that if he hasn't already. But uh, I think he likes his guys, and frankly, I do too. Uh, Travis Sanheim is a player I think can step in and, you know, if given the opportunity by Dave Hextall, which we all know is uh, is not a guarantee, uh, you know, I think he can step in and, you know, solidify that second pair on defense, which is, you know, kind of a blank spot right now for the Flyers. There isn't there isn't a clear-cut second pair after Provorov and, and Shane Gossespierre. Uh, I think Travis Sanheim has the ability. He had the numbers and the metrics to kind of back that up from a season ago when he did play. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens there. But, I, you know, while I'd like Hexall to explore it, you know, I just think it's going to gonna be a little, uh, a little steep of a price to pay. And, um, you know, I think Hextall likes his guys. And, you know, if he needs to make a move, you know, later on down the road, uh, to solidify either in goal or on defense. Um, you know, I think he'll do that, but I think for now he likes his guys. Uh, next question. This is from bferrell613 on Twitter. Who is younger, Jason Tatum or Nolan Patrick? All right. I think that, I think that's a question for Liberty Ballers. That's the, the Sixers blog for us at SB Nation, but um, I am told here, that Nolan Patrick is younger than Jason Tatum. So um, there is that. Thankfully, there is a second part of the question. Um, is Nolan or is Sean Couturier's career year going to be the new norm? Um, you know, it's interesting because I think that ability was always there for Sean Couturier, you know, and he was always pinned, pigeonholed into the, you know, shut down center role that he had, you know, basically since he made the Flyers, um, you know, as a teenager. Um, but, you know, 30, 30 goals, 76 points. 
I would be comfortable saying that I think Chunk Shore is going to be in that 60-plus point range. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a number one center now, so unless something changes and the Flyers decide to, you know, put Claude Giroux back at center or something or they trade for somebody, you know, I just can't really see him being moved off that role. And he's going to be playing with high-skilled players in that top six anyways. Um, so I, I can't really see... Um, him not having the opportunity to produce, uh, you know, he, he shot, he, he shot a career high 13.7%, which was about 3% better than his career average. So maybe there's like a little bit of regression there. You know, I, I could definitely see him as a, as easily a 25 plus goal scorer. Um, so I, I don't know as if it's the new norm. I think it's it definitely within the realm of possibility for him to be in that spot. But you also got to factor in all the other things that he does that um, don't show up in the box score. You know, he's still taking defensive assignments like crazy. Um, even with being a top line center last year, I think his um, I think his offensive zone start time was still right around his career average, which is not super high. It's you know it's been below fifty percent pretty comfortably. So. You know, he's still expected to do a lot more things, and he finally got recognized with that with his finish in the Selkie trophy voting. And, um, you know, if he stays on that power play one and stays as a top-line center, he's going to produce a lot of points for this club. And, you know, he's going to, uh, you know, obviously be, you know, one of the more important players on the roster. Um, And I guess there is a third part to that question, too. So thanks for this one, Brian. Lastly, if they don't make the playoffs, is Dave Haxtall gone? They have to look pretty bad, I think, uh, for Dave Haxtell to get fired if they miss the playoffs. Um, I just can't see it. I mean, we, we we went through it this year. Look, everyone knows we have problems with with Dave Haxtell. He doesn't play the best players. He finds ways to go out of his way to make things appear more difficult on himself. Um, but throughout everything this year, throughout the big losing streak, Ron Haxtell stood by his dude. Um, I, I can't see it unless it was a total disaster. Um, but really I can't see the Flyers being a total disaster unless there's, you know, just a huge amount of injuries. Um, in which case, you know, usually a coach is going to get a pass anyways. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't really see Dave Haxtell, you know, being fired if they don't miss the playoffs. I think Haxtell would probably consider it a step back, but it would determine, it would, you know, really determine on how much how bad the Flyers really are uh, in missing the playoffs. Next question is from P.S. George on Twitter. What role will JVR have with the Flyers this coming season? So obviously he's going to slot in as a top six forward. You know, he signed a you know deal that's going to carry a $7 million cap hit. So he better play in the top six and he better be, be a productive player. Um, otherwise that deal is going to look horrible, but he's going to play top six role. Uh, he's going to be on the power play. Like I said earlier, either he's going to be on power play one or he's going to be on power play two. Um, as I said, slotting him in there and, you know, Nolan Patrick being a year older and, you know, Travis Konechny gaining more confidence game by game and Ivan Provorov, especially on the, on the man advantage. You know, I, I think, uh, he's going to be able to, put up a lot of points here in Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, I think it's a great fit in free agency. And I think, uh, you know, 
really it was just a great job by Ron Hextall. You know, one of the best things about JVR is that, yeah, he scores a ton of goals, but he scores a ton of goals at even strength the past two years. He scored 25 goals at even strength last year and 23 the year before that. Our Flyers have always had, you know, very good power play since Claude Giroux's been here and, you know, obviously since Shane Gossesburg broke in. Um, but the Flyers have always kind of lagged behind at five on five and even strength. So, um, you know, getting a guy like JVR that can really produce points uh, without being on the man advantage is just a huge asset for the Flyers, especially this offseason. Um, you know, being able to solidify the top six and not being able to and not having to switch things around and, you know, throw Michael Roffle up on the top line, you know, is going to be great. And uh, so that's that's kind of what role he's going to play this year. Um, and, yeah, he's going to score. He's going to score a ton of goals. I mean, that's, that's what he's done, really, since, you know, he kind of came into the league and really has kind of blossomed after we traded, uh, traded him for Luke Shen, which uh, that's, that's not great. It doesn't look great. I'm looking at the numbers right now. Yeah, pretty much uh, since he got to Toronto, he's really uh, he's really figured it out. But, you know, he's 28. He's got a lot of good years left in him. And, uh, you know, we're I'm excited to have him back. I still have his jersey. I'm, I'm sure a ton of people do. So, you know, thank God I can finally have one that's relevant, not Mike Richards or Jeff Carter. Uh, this was a DM on Twitter. So you can just post them, you know, regularly. You don't have to DM, you know, anyone. But... From Flyers fan four one two, are the Flyers done in free agency? If so, who ends up being the third and fourth center? So I think Hexall's probably he's probably done. I mean, if you look at you know, I think he's really counting on you know some of the younger guys to step up and you know they used Scott Lawton in the third center role you know somewhat last year and they did move away from that, but I think you know. There are guys in the system that can that can do this. Vorobiev comes to mind as a guy who had, you know, a good season in the AHL and, you know, is getting closer and inching closer to, you know, pushing for an NHL roster job. Uh, I don't think they would be all that bad off if you just threw Scott Lawton at third-line center. And, look, he's faster than Val Filpola. He's a better overall player than Val Filpola. Uh, he's not Val Filpola. I mean, there's just a lot of upside to not having Val Filpola on the third line. Um, you know, you could get crazy and see. I think I think Yori Letera is probably going to be your fourth line center. I, I I don't see a way around that. You know, Hextall already said he's not. He wasn't going to use a buyout. There's not going to be a lot of trade value for a guy like that out there. Um, so I think he's probably going to slot in as as your fourth line guy and then third line kind of becomes Scott Lawton's job to lose right now unless another move is made. Um, you know, Lawton's a guy who the organization is still, you know, held in pretty high regard since since he's gotten here. And, you know, I think he's ready for a, a bigger role. And, you know, you don't have a lot to lose. Uh, you were getting almost no production out of your third-line center last year. So anything that Scott Lawton does is going to be at least that, and it's probably going to be better because, you know, he is a younger player. He's... He's a better skater. He's a better matchup defensively for you know other teams that really uh, really took advantage of Al Philpola last season. Um, and as far as some outside the box possibilities, Morgan Frost's name has come up a lot in this conversation, and 
You know, I think you have to go back to when Travis Konechny kind of bullied his way onto the roster a couple of years ago. Um, I would think it would take something like that from Morgan Frost, but even then, I just don't understand. I just can't really see Ron Hextall kind of rushing that. I think he wants to be patient with him. We've heard all summer and all throughout, you know, since the season ended for him that he needs to get bigger and he needs to get stronger and, you know, to be able to compete and We'll get a, you know, he has done that. He's put on a ton of pounds. I forget what, I think Steph or somebody had it the other day, um, how much weight he's actually put on. But uh, he's going to need to do that in order to, you know, more stack up against, you know, NHL bodies. And they'll get an idea of that in camp and, and see where he's at as far as, you know, the physical level. But, you know, skill-wise, um, you know, he's right there. And, you know, he had a very good showing at developmental camp. And, you know, he's going to be in that role soon enough. But I just think Hextall is going to be a little bit more uh, patient with that. Um, and I just can't see that happening. And then also, uh, you know, at the deadline, depending on, you know, where the Flyers are at, Hextall could, you know, obviously go to the trade market and use some of his assets to go and get some center depth or could emerge from within. You know, Scott Lawton could end up uh, – could end up, you know, being just fine as a third line center um, to do. See, I'm seeing numbers here like 185, 190. I think that's about right uh, for Frost. I think that's, I think he put on like 10, 15, maybe 20. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, step on too much there. Um, and then I, for the Flyers are done in free agency. Like I said, I think they're, I think they're kind of done. Um, you know, I really would have liked to see, and if you guys are, you know, fans, uh, you guys listen to BHS Radio, uh, or BSH Radio, you guys uh, probably heard Charlie O'Connor talk about how he would have liked to see the Flyers really solidify, solidify that second pair. And, um, yeah, I would have liked to see that too. Um, you know, given the way that Dave Haxall kind of treated Travis Sanheim a year ago, I'm not so sure that he will be given the opportunity to slot in into that second pair, you know, into those second pair minutes. Like I think that, you know, he has the talent for and the ability for. Um, so I would have liked to see maybe instead of uh, going out and signing a guy like Christian Fullen, who, you know, he's, he's really just going to be a depth guy. You know, he's going to be your seventh defenseman like, uh, you know, Brandon Manning should have been last year. Um, but I would have liked to see him go after maybe a veteran that could have been a good fit for Sanheim to really maximize his ability this year. Um, you know, Charlie mentioned Dan Hamuse, and uh, obviously Flyers fans know him uh, kind of well from, you know, the little time he spent with the Flyers, I guess, if you could call it that. <laughs> uh, but he would have been a good veteran guy that is more of a stay-at-home defenseman who you know, we'll let his partner roam a little bit. And, you know, I think that's what Travis Sanheim needs right now. Um, you know, the numbers, you know, we've talked about him with him playing with Andrew McDonald last year weren't all that bad. But at the end of the day, we all know that Andrew McDonald is Andrew McDonald. So uh, we really don't want him playing any more minutes than he really has to. I think in a perfect world, you know, he would really slot in on your third pair. Um you know, maybe with a guy like Robert Haig, who, uh, you know, probably shouldn't be playing second pair of minutes either since he's not the strongest puck mover. Um, but, yeah, a guy like Camus and, you know, there's Phil Myers is there as well. Now, we'll see what happens with him in camp and whether he can push for a spot. 
you know, I think Hextall would probably like to avoid a situation like last year where uh, Travis Sanheim was there and, you know, Johnny Oduya played a couple of games, which, you know, that wasn't great. But Brandon Manning played a lot. He was really bad. Um, so I, you know, would like to see, uh, would have liked to see a veteran signing. You know, you know I don't think Dan Hamus would have cost a whole lot. You know, probably a, a one-year deal, and um, that probably would have been a better fit uh, than the Flyers ended up going. But you know, Ron Hextall is pretty comp, uh, you know, pretty confident in this group. Uh, you know, they, the coaching staff like Robert Higg all year last year, and you know he's going to be back. And you know, the Flyers have you know, kind of a full slate of defense right now, unless, unless somebody goes out the door. So, uh, I think they're pretty much done there on, uh, on the free agent front. Uh, from Mike Bailey, 27 on Twitter, who do you think will have the bigger impact this year, JVR or Sean Couturier? Uh, I mean, obviously like JVR is probably going to score I think we'll probably score more goals, but Sean Couturier's impact can't really be measured. I mean, he's he's the most important flyer, pretty much in my mind, uh, given all that he, you know, now produces offensively, uh, the assignments he takes defensively. Um, you know, really, he's you know, <laughs> there's there's not really much more of a valuable flyer in my mind. I think JVR is going to have a really big impact, though. Um, like I said earlier, talking about the power play units, I think he's going to bring you goals at even strength that you didn't have a year ago. Uh, I think he's also going to bring you, you know, a little bit more balance on the power plays. He's going to give you the ability to trust that your power play, your second power play unit or third power play unit or, you know, however it shakes out, is going to be able to go out there and, you know, actually maybe score instead of just being fodder until... Giroux and Voracek and those guys are, you know, get a breather and can go back out there. Uh, so definitely Sean Couturier is, is the guy. If he has another season like he did last year, uh, point production-wise and doing all the other things that he does, um, you know, I'm not sure there's too many more impactful centers, you know, really around the league that are, that play in the two-way nature that he does. Um, so, yeah, so let's go... Uh, so I'm going to answer a few more questions. I'm going to try and scroll through Facebook here and see what uh, let's see what we got going on here, guys. A lot of questions about Morgan Frost. Yeah. Uh, do you think they move Frost to wing? Uh, maybe down. That would be uh, like I think in an emergency situation where you wouldn't want a rookie coming in and playing center. It's a lot of. Uh, it's a lot of responsibility to have, so the question comes up a lot to go ahead and throw him on the wing. I could see it, but the Flyers don't really have a whole lot of openings. I mean, he'd be talking about bottom six minutes as a rookie um, and as a guy who's a little bit more of a slighter build, too. He's not as ready uh, to maybe go up against some of the grinding lines that you see in the NHL on the third and fourth line, so I can't really see that unless you're talking down the road, but you know, Flyers have some pretty good depth down down the middle in terms of their prospect pipeline and not as much on the wing, so it's always a possibility. Uh, I kind of saw that a little bit, um, like Travis Konechny, but uh, I, I don't think that would be uh, something they would do right now. 
did anyone hear a buzz noise? That was probably my watch telling me that I need to stand up. Um, but uh, Vorbiev is uh, another popular one. I think he's pretty close to being NHL ready. Uh, all the reports from development camp was that he was, you know, didn't belong there. He was just, uh, you know, he was too good for that. Uh, so he's pretty close to being NHL ready. Uh, I think if for some godsend they could get rid of Yori Laterra, I think that there would definitely be room for him on the Flyers roster. Obey Kubel, I think he's got a shot. Um, he kind of profiles as that third or fourth line kind of feisty winger. You know, he's got to be careful, though, because he's, he's kind of already got a reputation whenever he does come into the league. Uh, he's been suspended a bunch of times now in the AHL. Um, that's, that's not great. We don't want to see that. We've seen, you know, I use Rad Kogutis as an example. Um, we kind of saw his play change a little bit this year after, you know, his what, upteenth suspension. Um, so he kind of played a little bit differently, and, you know, especially in the playoffs, he just, you know, he looked really hesitant. Um, so for, you know, for Knack, he's really going to have to play with that edge in order to be an effective player. And, um, you know, coming to the league with a reputation is not going to be a great thing for him, but he's ready otherwise. His uh, possession numbers in the AHL last year were, you know, among the best in the league. You know, he's a guy who creates opportunities all over the ice. You know, he's a good two-way player. Um, and, you know, he's got some snarl to him. He's got some nasty. And, uh, you know, as long as he can keep it under control, you know, I think he could bring some energy and, you know, effort to the to the bottom six, you know, kind of like Tyrell Goldborn did last year for, like, 10 seconds. I'm kidding. That was awful. That was absolutely terrible. Um, let's see what else we got here. Don't have any updates on the construction at the Wells Fargo Center, but uh, I can tell you that it it definitely needs an update. Like, I mean, yeah, definitely, definitely needs some changes there. It's I've been to a couple other you know ranks around the league and. Uh, Wells Fargo Center is a little bit, uh, a little bit behind. Um, Obey Kubel definitely before uh, Danik Martell, a hundred percent. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure Martell is really going to have a place on the NHL roster going forward. Um, a little bit of news I'm seeing here, scrolling through. Uh, the Flyers did extend Alex Lyon, so for the couple people that were were asking about him, the Flyers kind of organizationally are getting a little a little tight in the crease here. Um, I wonder how that's all going to shake out with, um, you know, with kind of the, the glut of guys I have now. Obviously, you know, we're all hoping that Carter Hart plays plays a lot in the AHL and plays very well. Um, why didn't Hextall get Calvin DeHaan? Signed four years, is it 18, was it 18 mil? Um, that's a good question. I, that kind of goes back to me talking about the second pair uh, a little bit. Um, you know, I would like to see Exile be a little bit more aggressive there, um, just because I've always been under the impression that I just don't believe that Radko Gudis is really all that great. I I think now that his edge has kind of gone a little bit, that 
you know, his play is, you know, much different than it was earlier in his career. Um, and also, you know, I've just never, I've never bought into it. I think his, I think his, you know, metrics and stats kind of get inflated by his, you know, just throws everything to the net. Like, you know, it's just, uh, it's just that. But I think the main concern with Calvin DeHaan uh, that I had seen really was that his health, uh, Bob, Bob Clifford's all over it. He says DeHaan's knees. So yeah, he missed a big chunk of the end of the last year. And it's been hurt a lot, and, you know, Hextall has, you know, really placed a value on guys that are, you know, in the lineup, and, you know, obviously, if, if no matter how good a player you are, if you can't step in the lineup, you know, you're not going to help a whole lot. We've seen this problem with Michael Neuberth, who has been completely unreliable, um, even to the point of probably Flyers getting to frustration, but, you know, if it wasn't for the health, I think... I would have liked to see, you know, Ron Hextall, you know, get after a guy like DeHaan. It's because, you know, he would have been able to step right in and, and be a second pair defenseman, um, you know, right from the bat. Whereas this year, I think you're kind of, you're kind of hoping that the Flyers can kind of make it by with, you know, that top pair of Ghost and Provorov and then, you know, kind of two semi-third pairs with Haig some combination of Haig, McDonald, uh, Gudis, and Travis Sanheim. So, yeah, I would have liked to see that area upgraded. But, you know, if if Travis Sanheim gets the opportunity and runs with it, you know, I think he's going to be able to carry, you know, whoever his partner ends up being and is going to be able to, you know, produce a, you know, produce a nice year. Um, let's see. Ooh, I do love Eric Carlson trade scenarios. Felix Sandstrom, Phil Myers, the germ, that nickname is not sticking, guys. It's not sticking. It's not happening. Wade Allison and two first-round picks get it done or too much. All right, so that sounds a lot like the uh, the trade the Sabres and the Blues just made where it seems, you know, a little bit more uh, quantity than quality. I've never been super high on the germ. You know, I, I think he'll be an NHLer. I'm just not sure. I'm it's never really sold on his offensive upside. Uh, Phil Myers is the piece there, though, because, um, you know, I think Phil Myers is going to be a stud, and I think he's going to be a stud sooner rather than later. Um, so that would be a piece that I think Ottawa would definitely pursue. You know, you could flip-flop him and Travis Sanheim, um, really depending what your preference is. Um, Sandstorm is, you know, is a good organizational goalie. Um, but again, goalies, <laughs> goalies are just a crapshoot and that's just the honest truth of it. I, I think Carter Hart is as close to, you know, a perfect goalie prospect as you can get, but we still have no idea, you know, what he's going to turn out to be. We've seen goalies over the years as high picks, not pan out. We've seen undrafted guys, late drafted guys go ahead and go ahead and make it. So goalie is kind of a, kind of a crapshoot there. And Wade Allison is a nice player. He's coming off an injury. He had a torn ACL. He's going to go back and play at Western Michigan. You know, but I wouldn't consider him really an A prospect. So he's more of a B prospect. Um, so, and then two first-round picks. Um, I mean, it would be kind of close. I, I, I mean, I'd love to speculate on it, but um, just not sure uh, whether that would get it done or not. Um, you know, obviously young 
controllable talent in there and then you know a couple draft picks um is is what i would think ottawa would want but again i i have no idea i have no idea what tampa is going to offer them i mean uh or dallas or or anyone like that but you know it's an interesting package for sure i'm curious to see uh you know how many of you guys would be uh would say no if the uh the senators asked for like nolan patrick i mean because they could very well do that as well um and kind of cut out some of the the other assets in the trade and just say, hey, we want Nolan Patrick. Um, there. Next. <laughs> oh God. Uh, Brian Williams says, uh, "Who will be the next redheaded acquisition for the Fly Guys? And should he automatically be on a line with G and Borchek? Speaking of Claude Drew, he is, I believe, getting married today. Uh, so congratulations to him." Um, very big step in his life. Uh, he's off the market, which is uh, a tough blow to uh, many of us in Flyer Nation. Um, as for the next redheaded acquisition, uh, I don't know. Every, everybody here hates, uh, hates Jack Eichel, but what about Jack Eichel? Like, let's just create a super line. Like, how about that? You know, let's let's do that. Let's get Jack Eichel, Claude Giroux, and Jake Voracek together and just mash them together and see what see what happens. That would be a be a little lofty, but hey, shoot for shoot for the stars. Patrick is off limits, in my opinion. Brian C Knight, I could not agree more. That dude's gonna be a huge stud. Uh, I would hang up the phone very fast, but then I'd call Pierre Dorian back because he he doesn't seem like the uh, the brightest bulb in the shed. So I'd probably call him back and try and work out you know a different type of trade there carrot top <laughs> that's pretty good yeah that's a good point there uh jack eagle has bad hair he does have bad hair yeah he does have, yeah he does have really bad hair and then you know but he's really good at hockey so uh to compete with vegas's productions i don't know i i like vegas's productions i think it was kind of fun sometimes uh Sometimes it's a little different. I'm curious to see what other teams around the league do with that stuff. But, um, you know, Carrot Top would certainly be uh, interesting. He'd probably be a net front presence, I think, you know, just because of the, the sheer volume. Um, TK going back to the top line. Absolutely, yes, he definitely should. Uh, I think that was some of the most angry – mornings we had in the broad street hockey slack channel and in the comment sections was you know after games in which travis Konechny was dropped off the top line so yeah he should definitely be going back up to the top line um you know i'm really curious to see what he could do with a full season up with those guys um you know i think he makes everyone on the ice better and you know he's just so creative and you know tight spaces and you know him Working on the top line was great for a long time, and then he got hacked a little bit. But, you know, everyone got hacked a little bit in the last couple of years. Uh, Brian wants to know – or no, not Brian. Sorry, that popped up. John wants to know, who was my favorite flyer growing up? Says mine was Rico. 
Um, you know, I'm a '90s baby. Uh, Eric Lindros is, in my opinion, you know, one of the most unique talents that I think we've ever seen in the NHL. Uh, the size, the speed, the nasty. Um, you know, there just really hasn't been anyone like him. Um, so it, he was, you know, one of my favorite players growing up. And then, just an aside to that, uh, Eric Desjardins. Um, I always just respected Desjardins. He was just so smooth on defense, didn't make any mistakes, produced for a lot of years. Um, and then, you know, in goal, you can't go anywhere. You know, you got to go with the man. It's Hexy. Hexy, uh, you know, was great for a lot of years for the Flyers and was always entertaining. And uh, when I was growing up as a Flyers fan, my dad would always show me the videos of him you know, attacking guys and fighting and, you know, really just embodying the spirit of the Broad Street Bullies. And it was even cooler because he's wearing a ton of pads and he's like trying to rip them off. And he's like, you know, I don't care about these things. Um, you know, he always, uh, always entertaining and you know, he's been pretty good as a GM, I think so far. Um, so that, that probably helps him a little bit, you know, in my eyes. All right. I think I'm going to do, uh, do a couple more here. Um, I want to get you guys out of here and, you know, get out and enjoy this, uh, you know, nice weather. Um, so I've got a couple more questions I'll take from the Facebook comments section here. If you guys want to do that and, uh, you know, we'll get rolling and we'll see what comes next in Flyerdom. You know, Alex Lyon is back on a two year deal. Wonder if, uh, still wonder if Ron's going to make any moves in terms of the goalie situation. Uh, you know, you got Neuverth and Brian Elliott there, and who knows, maybe Carter Hart has a uh, ridiculous training camp and, uh, you know, makes the team somehow. You know, let's get weird. Let's do it. I can scroll back. We should get Bobrovsky back. Probably never should have traded him, but, you know, stuff happens there. Uh, Bob asks, how many kids would you give if Truba has Winnipeg for too much? Um, I don't know what Winnipeg's up to. Uh, their dude does not make a whole lot of moves, so I, you know, I really don't even think he's, you know, a possibility. How many points for Nolan Patrick this season? I was way off on this. I thought. Patrick was going to be like comfortably over 45 or 50 points, and he was not. But in my defense, he was not healthy for a large portion of the season. Um, so I'm going to stick with that. I think I think he's going to be a 50-point player uh, this year for the Flyers. I think as a as a second line center, you know, he's going to get a boost from you know at least one better line mate. Um, so, you know, I think he's going to have a much better season. You saw the confidence really grow for him as the season went on. Uh, I mean, he, everyone remembers, uh, uh, you know, his effort against the Penguins. And, you know, I think only great things are ahead for him. He's, this skill is there. Uh, he's going to be fully healthy, a full offseason of training, you know, with the Flyers as professional people. And, you know, I think that's going to make a huge difference for him. And I think he's going to have, a, you know, a big season. And uh, I'll do last one. John's John's hitting me in the fields with all these uh, 
nostalgic moments. Uh, favorite moment at a Flyers game you have been to live? Um, you know, there's probably a lot to choose from, but I think it was probably uh, the Mike Richards, the shift. I mean, it, I know he's gone now and, you know, it's it's long gone, but that was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen live. I mean, the, the effort, the hustle, the skill, the determination, the crowd, though, was, was the most crazy part I've ever seen. I mean, you could, you know, it was just like the buildup of, you know, the play, you know, the, the flip up and everyone's like starts going, going wild. They're like, oh, my God, it's happening. And then goalie comes out and then, you know, Richards, you know, going in and then he scores and the roof blows off the building. Um, I heard, heard the, you know, Wells Fargo Center that loud since, you know, the Keith Primu days and Simone Gagne days. And um, that was one of the, that's the coolest mode I've ever seen live for the Flyers. I've also seen some really bad ones too. So um, we can talk about those another time, but uh, this is all, all good vibes here. But Richard's uh, the shift versus Montreal. That's the that's the best moment I've seen I've seen live, uh, for sure. Um, should the Flyers give uh, Voinov a chance? No, absolutely not. Uh, in no circumstance should the Flyers uh, pursue him, or should any NHL team. That dude's got some serious problems, and uh, there's no place for that in the NHL, which you know is a respectable league and. Um, you know, I have no respect for someone who does things like he does. And, you know, I just think he would be creating a, a mess of a situation and, you know, a locker room that's very close and very tight right now. So I don't think there's any reason to to go there. And the Flyers, you know, as I said, they don't super need help on defense. So, um, you know, at one time, you know, I would have liked to see the Flyers pursue – a little bit more veteran help, but Voinov would not be among the options. Um, so I just want to say thanks uh, for hanging out with me, uh, taking some time out of Saturday to talk Flyers hockey. Uh, I'm Mike D on the site. Uh, you guys can chat with me anytime. Um, it was a fun time. So thanks for sending those questions and thanks for commenting and uh, following along with us on the site. And uh, you guys have a uh, you know a great rest of your weekend. It's going to be beautiful and uh, just go out and enjoy it. See you guys. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or I don't know, Maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>